Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm, you say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to our website and the podcast that we put on that website. The podcast is called Script Shop, as you heard in the intro just there. And my name is Jack. My name is Allison. And I spend a majority of my time overly obsessing with trying to not be what I like to refer to as that guy. <laughs> that guy? Who's that guy? You know exactly who that guy is. He's yeah. the one that get, that that annoys people and he doesn't know he's doing it and that I just... Is that I'm always, you actually? I'm always worried about being that guy. Yeah. I would imagine, I'm sure I'm, I'm a human being, I've crossed the line more than once, but I, just, I don't I don't ever, I'm always afraid of being that guy. I run into that guy at the bar a lot actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the guy who told me to ask me to smile today. Yeah, so you were working in some dude that you don't know at all. You're busy just doing your job, filling yeah. beers yep. into glasses. Yep, here's and, beer, here's beer, here's beer. And some rando just says, hey, hey, smile. Smile. And I said, Ugh. don't you know you can't say that to girls anymore? Oh, boy. Yeah, sure, of course. Probably, did. I don't know. And he said, why not? My said, stomach is so upset with this story. I hate this guy. Rude. I know, of course. Well, this could just be the way my face looks. Right. And then... Uh, we don't have to get into it. <laughs> this is this is Allison. I do love smiling. She's very good at it, too. Oh, thank you. But uh, I like smiling on my own terms. So uh, based on all the context clues that we've thrown out there so far in the show, this is clearly a podcast about <laughs> screenwriting. And thank you for tuning into it because we're very happy to be doing it for you each and every week here on ScriptShop.com. We do love ScriptShop. We love, love, love reading the stories from our writers. That is what the real meat and potatoes of this show is. Correct. That if you have a story that you've written into a script or a screenplay and you send it on into us we end up reading it we try to get in touch with you as soon as we can and then we get writers on the show to talk about what their experience as a writer has been where it has led them and then why specifically this person wrote the script it's fascinating getting to dive into the psyches of the minds of artists yeah it's a ton of fun we've enjoyed doing it for more than a year now it's been uh, great and thank you for uh, coming along the ride with us other ways that you can participate in the ride is by finding us on the internet on twitter on facebook on instagram if you look up script shop show you can find us on all those platforms and follow us and see the little videos and all the other little uh, which are promo- hilarious promotional things that we put out there yeah we have yeah, fun we do have fun so look us up script shop show Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also get online to submit your script at scriptshopshow.com oh, yeah. slash submit. Yes, please. And if you're on anywhere where you can leave us a review, you know what? Just do that. Just do that for us. It would be really nice. Yeah, a little rating, a little review. That'd be cool. A little thumbs up. Five out of five stars. If there's six stars, if there's seven stars, give us all the stars. Leave a five-star review. Oh, nope, I can't. Frank's looking at me because I'm about to violate some copyright <laughs> He did look again. so fast. <laughs> little Frank eyes go zip. Stop singing, Jack. Frank's here with us again today, thankfully, to keep us in keep line. Keep us in line with the copyrights. Mm-hmm. Make sure we're not getting sued at any given moment. What else can we do to get sued, Frank? That's a great Sexual question. Sexual harassment. Well, sure. That can be I, anytime. Yeah, okay. Anything. Anything? <laughs> I mean, that's true. You can, that's, so you can sue anybody for any reason at any time anymore. That's true. Well, you can always do it. It doesn't mean you'll win. Right. Frank, true. I but, sue you for wearing that blue jacket. <laughs> 
You a little chilly in the room, Frank? It is a little cold in here. Yeah, the air turns on and off at weird times. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I sue you for wearing that nerdy T-shirt. Sue me for a lifetime of nerdy T-shirts. Thank you guys for tuning in very much. Our guest for this week's show is Stevie T, who wrote a script called Tornado Rider Roads. Tornado Rider Roads is a 130-page high-octane pre-war action adventure with a strong female lead. Today's description brought to you by Jack Crumley as he helped me organize my thoughts. A strong female lead who it was very (gasps) important to me, and I made the note about this as I was going through. I love it. She's got red curly hair, and so do I. I get to be this character. I get to be this character. Who's a badass, by the way? She is the queen badass in this script. That's right. Breaking hearts, flying planes. That's what I do best. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, Stevie T was nice enough to uh, send us the script and uh, come on the show with us. And we have him on the line right here. Let's go to the computer phone. Stevie T, welcome to Script Shop. Um, Yeah, hi. Um, Actually, she's, uh, was it, she's flying hearts and breaking planes. There it is. Mm -hmm. That's even better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so true, though, isn't it? She does break a couple of planes. She wrecks a lot of plays. She really does. Well, welcome to the show. Um, where are well, you calling you. us from today? I'm <laughs> I'm calling in from California, um, and I'd like to answer the uh, the quiz. <laughs> Congratulations! You're our seventh <laughs> for, caller <laughs> for the grand prize. Oh, and it's my birthday, so if we could all sing "Happy Birthday," then Frank can get upset at that. What? Yeah. Oh yeah, "Happy Birthday" is copyrighted, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. So we have to do the restaurant version, which is happy, happy birthday. Da, 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 da. Well, that's probably copyrighted too, isn't it? It's just annoying. Oh. I sued that song for being annoying. <laughs> exactly. Is it really your birthday? No, it isn't, but I thought I'd throw that in since you were talking about copyrighted stuff. Oh, well, you know, you're making it's stuff up. It's a, you're a screenwriter. It's all good. Yeah. yeah. So, Make Stevie. You're on. You're uh, you're on the West Coast. Is writing uh, your full time thing? Is it something you do for fun? That you do for you? Where's that in your life? Um, well, uh, yeah. At this point, it's pretty much a full time thing since you know no one will actually hire me for real work. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, actually, yes. I've I've decided to uh, kind of you know focus fully on on writing uh, as much as possible at this point. How long ago did you make the decision to start doing that? Uh, let's see. What's today? Today's Sunday. About a week and a half. Now, yeah. Perfect. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, did you go to school for writing? Um, I went to school. Uh, I felt that writing was, yeah, I, you know, I, you know, I w- I was always writing, but I didn't go to school for writing. Mm-hmm. But, what, did, uh, what did you study when you were in school or not in uh, school? What did you do instead? I, I studied how to get out of school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, um, I well, I started to go to film school, and then I got a job yeah, on a film. So I kind of said, well, I don't think I need to go to film school anymore. Um, and it was, you know, like a real film in Hollywood. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm in Cincinnati. Can you please tell me more? Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. So um, I spent a lot of years in Hollywood working at a major in a creative supervisory position. Uh, and during that time, I was writing and uh, I had an agent for a while. I actually had a, a script that um, almost got made. It got to up to the big table at a at a minor at Morgan Creek uh, for the big, you know, thumbs up, thumb down vote. And of course, it got thumbs down. But uh, so that was the closest I ever got to having a screenplay made. But at a certain point, um, 
I decided to stop writing for a while. Actually, uh, a friend of mine, I gave uh, this artist friend of mine one of my scripts, and uh, she read it, and she came back and said, hey, you know, your stuff's great, but it just sounds like you're trying you're, you're, you're trying to write what you think other people want you to want you to write Mm -hmm. as opposed to writing what you know. And, you know, I thought about that for a while. I said, you know what? She's right. So I stopped writing and I went back and I just started reading just Mm. anything I could get my hands on Mm -hmm. and, uh, um, and did that for a long time. Didn't write anything for a long time. And then I started writing, but not screenplays. I started writing short stories Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, yeah. And actually, this screenplay is based upon a piece of flash fiction I wrote, uh, a 499-word uh, piece of flash fiction, which is kind of the the opening scene in the film, uh, but it's told from the perspective of uh, somebody that's really old and they're recounting their life and how they got the name they have, um, which mm. is the opening scene in the film. So, I was wondering if, you know, you're talking about you went to reading and then you went to short story writing. And do you think kind of starting with short stories has helped you build out maybe the beginnings of other stories that you have, this one included? I, you know, I was never at a loss for coming up with story ideas, but what with this one, especially the character was so dynamic, even in that 499 words that she, and actually it was, it was completely, it was uh, um, a gender neutral, the, the story I, I made it so that there was never a, a he or a she or whatever. It was all told from a first person perspective uh, in the in the piece of flash fiction so that uh, you didn't know what the gender of the character was. But the character was so dynamic on that that page of, of writing that it compelled me to, uh, you know, like draw it out and actually create the whole story because mm-hmm. the character the character forced me to write it. So how valuable do you feel like that time was when you decided to stop doing what other people, what what you thought other people wanted and you go to reading for a while and then you get back into the realm of short stories? How, how did that affect your ability to maybe find your voice in a more strong way? Well, that's interesting. What's really interesting is, is initially when I first started writing, I tried to stay, avoid reading other people's work so that I could, you know, in my mind say, well, I'll keep a pure voice because I won't, you know, be, you know, influenced by outside, uh, forces here. Um, and you know, that was all well and good for what it was, but I, ultimately I was still mimicking, you know, the world around me in my writing. Uh, yes. Stopping, going back, reading whatever I could get my hands on going, and then just starting with the basics and building up. It did develop my own, uh, I mean, really cemented my own style of writing. Although I would have told you if this would have happened three or four weeks ago, I would have said, no, you know, this is really not that different from what if you read one of my old scripts and read this one, it wouldn't wouldn't have been you wouldn't see much difference in it. But then I went back and just recently read actually the script that uh, was at Morgan Creek. I just read that like last week and it's like, God, boy, that's it's terrible. So you yeah, you were able to notice a difference. Oh, big difference, big difference. I mean, it's still a good script, but it's like, oh, I really need to go back and work that thing all over. Do you think, like, Uh, going back on it now and touching it again, that you would drastically change it? Or do you think just, like, your tone and your... It would would just be the tone. It would be the mastery of, uh, of... the words and, and sentence structure is is a lot more dynamic now, a lot better. 
uh, there's just a lot more confidence in uh, yeah. in the in the whole thing now. Mm-hmm. Have you always been a writer? Like as a child, did you write things as well? Yeah, I did. Mostly, you know, help get me out of here. I'm being held prisoner by a, you know a band of crazy people, which were my family. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> you know, um, yes, I I wrote uh, yeah from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. That's I love this idea. You're a, a creative kid. You're a writer. You go to film school. You drop out of film school. So what by the when you dropped out of film school, did you just keep working on films as a young person until, you know, you talked about having a screenplay that started making its way up? What was that period of time when you got your first job on a film to calling yourself a writer? What what was that like? Well, here's the deal. I have I never really called myself a writer until just a uh, a few years ago, I finally got, you know, a short story published in a literary magazine, uh, you know. Uh, um, so, you know, it, up until that point, I never really called myself a writer because I'd never actually made any money. And I only made $25 off of that sale. But it was mm-hmm. like, OK, now I can call myself a writer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, <laughs> so, so, you know, but I, I, I took a very, you know, d- you know, like a defined point of view towards, OK, you know, you can say you're a writer, but until you've actually sold something something or what because i mean i i make films now you know i write scripts and make films for myself but you know that's still i still never consider that calling myself a writer i don't know why because i call myself a filmmaker because Mm -hmm. i make a film but since i wasn't getting paid for it uh you know or i was paying myself for it whatever you want to call it um you know it was like i'm not you know i'm not a a little bit longer to validate yeah yeah. Yeah. So there is a quite a defined line because, you know, I've known a lot of writers in my time, you know, and, and they were all all you know deeply impressed with my abilities. Even when back in the days before, you know, I got really good. Uh, they all said, damn, you're the best. You're the best writer that nobody's ever heard of is basically what I got from people. And you said, writers. well, help, help raise my profile. Pete. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. Stop well, telling no, me I, that. I, Go tell everybody else. <laughs> Uh, but no, I did have people. I mean, there were people that were, you know, consciously trying to help me. Like the the script that got to Morgan Creek, that was through uh, a, a really good friend of mine um, who was a d- development executive at several. But she was at Morgan Creek. She was at Carelco. She was at MGM, um, and she ended up being a writer too. She wrote the uh, film Basic, uh, uh, John Travolta and. Um, Oh yeah, that um, uh, not, it wasn't Jackson. It was. Um... I was going to say Jackson, but it's like, but if it's not Jackson, it's the other guy. That, I think <laughs> but... it was. No, I think it was Samuel L. Jackson. Now that I think he was like the yeah. the general that went rogue, right? Right. Yeah. 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 So she wrote that, and you know, so I mean, I had a lot of uh, you know a lot of people helping me out at the time, but I don't know if I was you know compl- completely committed to success at that point or whatever well you've Um, even right before you know we were talking about the name stevie t and you were saying you have an aversion to this idea of celebrity and fame and you think that's something that's always been with you yeah oh absolutely yeah no i've always used nom de plumes and nom de gators and Mm -hmm. all those uh, all those noms Mm -hmm. um yeah i just kind of uh i kind of like that uh i don't know so did you grow up in l.a uh, yeah, for the most part. I mean, I was, I, I was born in Northern California, but I, I spent most of my formative years in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got family that's in the film business, uh, 
the only reason I'm poking around in this is that you you've got these large themes going on right now. You're like, I don't want fame. I don't want celebrity. You know, the only kind of person that thinks about that stuff is somebody who grows up in a world where that's possible. Mm. And so, you know, there's potential there. You're talking about all this help you got along the way. And so what I'm trying to figure out is like why you don't want fame and celebrity. Is it really that you value your private time? Do you like not having people in your business? Is it- I'm just a cr- contrarian. Um, yeah, no, I, I value my private time. I, you know, I've got other things that I, I do. And I just don't want to trade on any, you know, potential of, of fame, you know, it's, because that's a slippery slope when if if you do ever become famous. And I don't know that I would ever become famous or my brand would ever become famous, but it becomes a slippery slope because then, you know, it's like all of a sudden you you have to start wondering about, well, do these people, you know, like me because of me or because of my fame or because of whatever potential, you know, connection I can give to them or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. so those kinds of things. Whereas, you know, if you're just you and then you've got this other thing that most people don't know about, uh, you know, uh, off on the side, your side hustle or whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. uh, you, you can, uh, you can, you know, move through life a lot easier and, with well, a lot and, more valid you know, relationships. And, and maybe also that, that that's a way to where the work could just sort of speak for itself as opposed to having like, you know, somebody else's name or whatever on it. You can just, you know, whatever validation you would maybe get from somebody who reads your stuff can just read the stuff and, and let the work speak for itself. Bingo. That's exactly it. Now, I, that's that's the one, one of the major driving forces that's always been in my life is letting the work speak for itself as opposed to, you know, letting the brand or the, you know, the, the previous work speak for it. You know, it, that it's a tough thing um, because I've been around, like I said, I had a lot of people in my life that uh, have, you know, tried to help me along the way and stubbornly I've rejected every single one of them. No. Um, but, uh, you know, it's like, are they, are they saying this is great because they really think it's great? Or are they saying it's great just because, you know, they're your friend or whatever? I mean, I had a girlfriend that I lived with for a long time who was a reader. I mean, that's what she did for a living. She read scripts and, you know, got paid for it. Uh, and, and, of course, she always championed my work, which, you know, thanks. Hey, yeah, that's nice. But did she ever give me a bad read as far as giving me a good read when she should have given me, you know, like notes <laughs> Yeah, just to, you know, just to keep things smoothed out or whatever, or mm-hmm. just, you know, placate, whatever, you know, so is that kind of thing. She actually went on to become a writer too. <laughs> she wrote for one of the soap operas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Everybody I know went on to become a writer. Well, I mean yourself included. Well, yeah, you sent Here us a you script. Are on no, the esteemed no, 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 script know, shop show. I'm, <laughs> hey, I'm not. I'm not, uh, I'm not crying poor pitiful me here. I'm just saying that you know, I've known a lot of people that have gone on to become writers. Yeah. I, want, I want to talk about this idea of your brand, your brand, because this is. Uh, we I hear this a lot. Like you need to become your brand. Sell your brand. Sell your brand. Right. You don't really sound that comfortable with the idea of yeah. having yourself branded into something. What do you? How do you feel about that? Well, that's interesting because you know, in in my in when I do have to go out and actually make money when I'm you know being a starving artist, um, yeah, I do marketing work, so <laughs> I deal with other people's brands all the time. Um, so uh, um, you know, it's uh, I, I understand the process and the concept, yeah, and and I know I have to do it, yeah. 
would I rather not do it? Yeah, no, I wouldn't want. I'd rather not have to do, do it. Do you but have I know it, to do it, or is it like a, a trade-off? Like by doing a brand, you make more money, or by not doing a brand, you might have better well, relationships. It, it, here, here's the thing: you, no matter what, it's a brand, right? If I yeah. use my my regular my real name, whatever, it's it's a brand. It's just that then where's the the dividing line between brand and you? I'm trying to create a, a you know definitive uh, a line between brand and myself, uh, so that uh, you know I can turn one off, go home at night, turn one off, and you know uncork the bottle of wine. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, or three, three bottles is fine. <laughs> I just, I was just starting with the one. I didn't say we were stopping at one. <laughs> so you said this, uh, the script that you sent us, Tornado Rider Roads, uh, started out as a piece of flash fiction for you, and then it grew from there. Uh, in terms of influences, this this thing is and when we were trying to sort of work up a, a way to describe it and talking about it as a high octane action packed. There's so much you, you've crammed so much into the script. And I don't mean that in any way other than it is a ton of action going on all the time. Mm-hmm. It's it, uh, endlessly high energy. You've got a lead character who grabs you by the face in the beginning, kisses yep. you on the lips and never lets you go after that. Uh, in terms of influences maybe just picking, let's say, the lead character, this Tornado Rider Rhodes gal, did this come from any particular yeah, place? Yeah, who is this based off Is of? this your mom? Is this is your this ideal your, wife? Is this the one that got away or something? Right. It's you, Alice. Oh, my God, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it was me. Nailed it. Thank you, CBT. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it is. That's, you know, and I don't know if you noticed in the script, and I really felt kind of, and I I almost took it out the red hair uh, comment because if you notice in the script, I I don't define any or describe any of the characters except for something that is crucial, like there's a bad guy and he's got a scar on his face, yeah. and it's it's an element to the story. But as far as it goes, I don't describe characters in, in the in the story. I just let them be. The only thing I did was give her red hair, and I always felt, and uh, yeah, I love redheads in. I know I'm, I'm playing to the audience there. Yeah. Although you guys are, we're thrilled. A vanishing <laughs> subset, you know. Yeah. Well, so we're persisting currently in, yeah. in this room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um, so, so you love redheads. Well, you... no, but but also I felt that the red hair went with the fiery spirit, sure. you know, and yes. that was a part of the whole part of the four elements thing too. And so, you know, there was there was a, a lot of thought going into that, but you know, I just felt. Because I didn't describe any characters in this, you know, what they look like. You know, I felt that they would describe themselves by their actions, by their by their dialogue, by their intent. And so I just left them completely blank as far as except for her. I put that red hair mm-hmm. cascading out of her cap when she pulls it off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, so I, even outside of that sort of physical, uh, that one physical attribute, I mean, she's this. It's night. This this is a script that's set in 1938. Tornado Rider Rhodes is this. She was. She grew up in this small little town, and she survived this miraculous disaster that, and then has since gone off. She was raised by the town. She became this crazy kick-ass pilot. Uh, it's her and her buddy Callahan who go around. They're sort of a. They're a shipping company, but that's just sort of a very polite way of saying they're adventurers in the late 30s which there's a whole conversation I want to have with you with the idea of why that time in American history seems to be so rooted in like these adventure stories that are everywhere throughout pop culture. But I mean, as far as influences and the way she is and the way she handles people and the way she handles herself, did that, were there any particular influences you had with her? Well, 
you know, I I can't think of of no. She was she is just a unique character that came you know uh, came walking out of the desert and came up to me and bitch slapped me and said you're gonna write my goddamn story. So she's basically your perfect it. woman. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like I I she has she's not the one that got. I I wish she was the one that got. I wish I'd known her in real life. I mean, my God, um, she's not the one that got away. She's she's not my mother. She's not you know any of that. So she's just she's a unique individual in and of herself and i mean it, as far as i'm concerned it, it, it she's a reality in another dimension mm-hmm. you know, for whatever i mean that kind of makes sense too though she's just this powerful force of nature yeah. and if you're saying that the process is that this this thought this person just like marched into your life and was like write this story that that makes no, sense yeah, i've heard that before she took me by the scruff of the neck and you know made forced me to to write it I think it's interesting too. You've built you you you've built this very very uh, busy world, and it's all it really is built around her. She's like the sun in this like solar system, and everybody is uh, either somebody she's known before, somebody she's working with now, somebody that wants something from her. Everything really revolves around her in this story. And I think as far as the way that her character is written and the way the story goes, she shoulders all of that really, really well. At no point am I annoyed by her or bored with her or don't see her as the center of this really crazy dynamic world that you've created in this script well one of the things i tried to do when i wrote the script was i try i wrote it well i wrote it so that i would if i saw the movie i wouldn't be bored but i also wrote it for my brother and his best friend and i that if they went to the movie because they don't read they haven't read this thing Mm -hmm. you know nobody reads i mean you guys are the only people that read (laughs) Uh, so they haven't read it even though they know it's great and they've heard all about it but uh, i wrote it so that when it gets made and everybody that reads it talks about this is going to be made, you know, I have to see this on the big screen, things like that. So when it actually gets made and they go into the movie theater and sit down with a box of popcorn and watch it, I wanted them to go, Oh, he didn't do that. Oh man, he did that. Oh, that's so cool. And just keep them tripping over themselves. You know, it's like, Oh yeah, that's what I want to see. This is what I, yeah. So it's it was that kind of thing, and it was just like, hey, is my brother going to be bored by this? Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a question then, because we talked about earlier writing things for yourself versus writing uh-huh. them for other people. So where's the overlap here? You know, because you're writing this for people to have an experience. Well, this... I was using them as as kind of like a, a, a guidepost. I was writing it for myself. I mean, ultimately, I was writing. I mean, basically, I I I. I stuck every genre out there in this story. I mean, this movie could be titled genre, either <laughs> that or popcorn, because I mean, it's, and it's, it was, I wanted to make a total Saturday afternoon movie, something yeah. that you go to and just get lost in for two hours and come out and go, God damn, that was good. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, and not have any huge messages thrown at you or anything like that. And just have a good time. How do you feel when you read it again? I get sucked into it again and again. I get enthralled in it. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I what one of the things I was trying to do here. I mean, there's a whole you know bunch of stuff. I was trying to make a comic book movie without having to buy the rights to a comic book. Sure, so I was, you know, make one from scratch. Uh, you know, a pulp, a pulp uh, uh, serial kind of '30s pulp serial uh, franchise kind of thing, like. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Um, you know, it's an Indiana Jones type story. Uh, but, 
you know, I wanted to do a, a female character because, you know, the male characters have basically been played out. And, you know, to have a, a female character, it gives you so many more options to do things and and create a whole brand new universe of this dynamic, you know, uh, opportunity with this character. So, it, so that was, you know, the main reason, well, because she told me she was a woman too, but, mm-hmm. uh, but mm-hmm. that helps. Um, yeah. I do like the idea of this being a comic book story without you having to buy the rights to a comic. Yeah. You know, oh, man. Yeah. You, have this, you have this larger than life tall tale that starts it off. And then you endow her with, like, the best abilities possible. And a great supporting cast and yeah. villains. I mean, by the time by the time the climax of this script rolls around, you've got – you've had ninjas. Uh, we've got – there's there's Nazis. Uh, there's I love the ninjas. The ninjas. The, there's, like, the normal ninjas and then there's the flying, the flying ninjas, ninjas too. Yeah. <laughs> that was so fun. Well, no, no, but the best part is when the ninjas and the lumberjacks fight. That's right. I mean, that's so good. Why are you We're doing – that's there. hilarious. <laughs> that's so funny. You know, like, why did you want to put that kind of humor into this? Well, because it's like, I mean, it's like, you know, I'm a big samurai film buff. I mean, I love samurai movies. And I used to just, I used to jag watching all sorts of old, obscure samurai movies. It's like, uh, you know, it's like uh, um, the Bare Naked Ladies, the song One Week is like, they have a lyric in there. It's like, I don't make movies, but if I did, they'd have a samurai, <laughs> you know, and that goes back to making a movie that my brother would go, oh, no, he didn't put that in there. So having samurais, having uh, ninjas, having lumberjacks, all of that stuff. And of course, the Nazis and then the the super Nazis and all that stuff. And, and a UFO. Yeah, that's right. About the UFO. I mean, like I say, this has got every genre in the world in it. Um, so, um, yeah, so I, it was just like, well, let's, hey, let's just do what, you know, don't put any limitations on this. Do whatever. I mean, uh, one of the cool scenes that was that was always in there was the when she gets shot down in the dogfight. And, and then the next scene you cut to and she's drinking with the, the German yeah. uh, fighter pilot. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And, I like that. And a lot. that was always in there from the very beginning. And it was a great scene. And I loved it. And it just popped out of nowhere. And it's like, well, yeah, these guys are all old school, you know. They're and so, you know, it's like they don't they don't have grudges. It's like, yeah, they're they're all warriors and they're all gonna celebrate with each other. But and so they were drinking and the and the whole thing with the the Jaegermeister was in there too. Uh but when she gets taken away and gets beaten up by the the Nazi woman, I never had her th- uh throwing up on her mm-hmm. until just like this most recent rewrite uh, where I had her do the projectile vomit yeah. thing on there. And I thought, God, that is so cool. <laughs> but it's like, why didn't I think of that before? Because, you know, you always get your character in, in a situation. And you say, okay, now how am I going to get him out of this? And you, of course you, you say, I don't want to do it like everybody else has done it. You know, let's try come up with something different. And I never, you know, I never got something different until that projectile vomit thing came along. Yeah. No, that was a great way to get out of that situation. And it makes perfect sense considering that they just drank a bunch of Jägermeister. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So then it just tied everything together. And it, and it made that, that scene with them or her drinking with the pilots all the more, you know, uh, viable because it's like, okay, well, that plays into this now. It's not just this weird scene in the middle of everything. I mean, nobody ever said that scene was bad, but it just seems like, wow, what's going on here? That was a left turn. Well, and it plays into what a what a brilliant, capable, resourceful woman this this Rhodes character is, who she can do anything to get out of any situation. That that's right in keeping with everything. I think you wrote about her up to that point. Yeah. No. Exactly. Exactly. 
So, yeah. So I just tried to stuff everything I could into that story. Well, you did, and there's a ton of snappy dialogue, and I want to talk to you about the snappy dialogue in a minute, but I think we should probably read the selection that we're going to uh, read from your script, Tornado Rider Roads, first. Folks, if you are following along, we are going to be starting on script page 91. Uh, this is going to be a scene between Tornado Rider Rhodes, who sometimes is called Tori, but you better not call her that unless she's mm. given you explicit permission to do so. That's right. And We're uh, going to discuss that kind of thing, too, in this sure. dialogue thing. And this, and this guy, Brooks, who is a – he's the uh, he's an air policeman. He, it's sort of a like a government agency, FBI sort of thing without all the, the flash of like a James well, Bond. Okay, I I don't want to stop you guys, but that was actually a real thing. If you go onto Wikipedia, you'll find there was an international air police force that they tried to start up in like 1938 because of the advent of the aircraft and and criminals and, you know, bad guys flying across borders. They actually tried to start the international air police force and some, you know, like British colonel, you know, uh, Lord Bottom or something Mm -hmm. was uh, the head of it for a while. So So anyway, that's. That's a real thing. That's perfect. Uh, and and, the, and the, actually, you have a lot of really specific references to historical things as far as different planes. And, and you clearly have – you've got a very specific vision for this story, and I think, I think it plays out really well. We're going to turn you down here, and we're going to get into this uh, scene between Brooks and Rhodes, okay? Right. All right. So, listeners, if you're following along, like Jack said, we're going to start on page 91 – I'm going to be reading for Rhodes, Jack's going to be reading for Brooks, and Frank is going to be doing all of our action headings. So, And this is an action-y script, Frank, so this is, I mean, the action's where it's at. Yep. The meat and potatoes here. <laughs> Frank's our action man. Everybody feeling good? Yeah. All right. So take it away, Frank. Interior, compartment train, Canada, day. Rhodes and Brooke watch the scenery unfold out the window. This guy in Montreal, you trust him? With my life, number 88. But he'll always be number one to me. Got no frame of reference. What's that about? The numbers. I mean, comes off kind of slutty. She sits up and turns towards him. Really? That's where you went with it? Says a lot about you. I don't know. Free-spirited girl. Lots of friends. You do the math. All right, smart guy. Add this up. When they adopted me, ended up with a town's worth of brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, you name it. For a joke, everyone took a number, so I swore to remember each and every number of the most caring people I've known. All right. You're right. I'm an idiot. All those role models, family, why'd you never settle down? Rather settle up than settle down. Besides, I do better in the sky. Fewer expectations. Lost my real family in the air. Guess I feel closest to them up there. Always searching. Sounds like, luck-wise, you got dealt better family than most. Maybe... Ever stop moving? Might find you've already found more than what you're looking for. Something snags Rhodes' attention from the corridor. Oh, crap. The door to the compartment bursts open, and that wall of man Bruno Gans rushes in. He grabs Brooks and throws him against the opposite wall. Hell is this guy? Rhodes gets up to attack. Bruno pins her against the wall. One of our German friends. Growing him bigger this year. Brooks comes back at Bruno, hitting him in the head with a suitcase. Bruno turns his attention to Brooks. What's that about things not going sideways? Rhodes kicks Bruno in the kidney. Nothing. Brooks smashes his hands over Bruno's ears. Bruno staggers with the loss of equilibrium. Brooks reaches for his gun and pulls it out. Bruno swats at it and then swings wildly, connecting with Brooks' face. Brooks goes down and out. Rhodes backs out of the compartment, presses against the opposite wall. Like a bull, Bruno charges headfirst at her. At the last second, Rhodes sidesteps and Bruno crashes into the wall of the train, his head punching a hole. 
Rhodes moves down the corridor as Bruno extracts himself and follows after. The battle moves back and forth with many hits and kicks and slams and dunks. The fight moves to the top of the train. End scene. Yeah. Fast and furious. Snippy dialogue leading into action, action, action. Yeah, and then some action more on top of that, and then some snippy dialogue during the action. And then snippy dialogue in the sky with the ninjas coming in. Yes. (laughs) That's not the actual order, but, you know, this is kind of how this thing plays out here. We're trying to give people the broad strokes, Steve. (laughs) Well, I want to see this movie. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that I did notice about this dialogue, and, you know, we talked about how this is set in the late 1930s, and uh, there's a a lot of adventure stories that seem to be sent then. You mentioned Indiana Jones. Uh, That's when Batman and Superman were invented in the comic books. Uh, You got Dick Tracy, that that uh sky captain of the world of tomorrow movie the rocketeer uh the 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 anime film porco rosso they're all set in the late 30s pre world war 2 pre the bomb i think has plays a role in that because that really moved everything towards science fiction i think after the bomb dropped but that this this era this late 30s era is so rich with these high adventure serials and stories any thought as to what it is about that time that we keep coming back to as far as storytelling goes? Well, you know, I think uh, it, it was if, towards the late part of the 30s, we, you know, we were starting to gear up with more prosperity. Uh, and there was a lot of uh, cool things being developed, like the airplane, things like that. I mean, to the I mean, the airplane had been around for a while, but it was being developed up to, you know, where people were actually getting to fly in airplanes. Yeah. It'd be like rockets today. You know, as soon as they start letting uh, regular people fly up into outer space, it's going to be a real dynamic time, you know, just like the 30s was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there was a lot of just energy happening. I mean, indoor in, indoor toilets were coming yeah. in the 30s. That's where, yeah, actually, you know, uh, somebody tried to question me one time uh, about the, the use of the word crap uh, and all the slang uh, for the word crap in this script. But actually in the 30s, the word crap, crapper, all that stuff was – Big slang because of indoor toilets being put in by, you know, the toilet was designed by John Crapper. John Crapper, so, uh, yeah. John, John C. Crapper. So the word crap became part of the, the, the dialogue uh, of the 1930s uh, and uh, became part of the, the the slang, as it were. But uh, getting back to, I don't know, you know, it's like Amelia Earhart was in the 30s. Yeah. There was a lot of adventure going on because uh, a lot a lot of the world was being discovered uh, um, by the media, by the press, by newsreels, things like that. I mean, so it was the original, you know, uh, um, I don't want to say social media, but, you know, there was a lot of media uh, development in the 30s that created uh, these narratives that uh, that we see today or at least we mine from today. Um, so, yeah, and I think it was. It's media. It's all about media. Sure. Well, yeah. The media is the the medium is the message. If I remember my uh, my media studies classes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Back in college. Uh, but you know, also with this dialogue, you know, the the idea of doing a 1930s or even 20s that like really stereotypical, almost SNL sketch, snappy banter. Hey, what do you think you're doing over there? Kind of stuff. <laughs> 
<laughs> you you've got snappy banter in this dialogue, but it's not. I, I really feel like the the words that they're saying, and even like the tone that I hear it in my head when I'm reading it, it's all really character based stuff. I, it, it's not every quip doesn't read the same. Sometimes the guys are muttering it to themselves. Sometimes she's uh, yelling it out loud. I think you, you've gotten a real good handle on building this dialogue around the way each of these individual characters are and the, the way that they would talk. I think you've developed a language for them. Well, actually, one of uh, the my, one of my drives in, in creating this script was to really do a study on how people communicate, and and if if you if you really look at it, when 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 people are talking, when they have a real uh, um, connection, a bond, you know, they're real real good friends. They've been friends forever, whatever. They have a different way of speaking than than when they talk to somebody else it's it's a shorthand it's a code it's almost like its own language so the more familiar you are uh the 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 more uh shortened your your dialogue becomes and the more coded it becomes so you know like uh like the the word Tori, you know, when, when calling her by Tori or tornado or whatever, it can mean different things. And, and it can mean a level of intimacy and things like that. Yeah. Uh, the term wheels up, wheels up can mean several different things. And, it, you know, and it's just a standard, you know, flyer term, you know, it's like, hey, you know, have a good flight, be safe, whatever. But it could also mean, you know, I, I care about you. I love you, whatever, it, you know, depending on the situation. But it's 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 this transaction that happens. And when people are speaking that are really familiar with each other, that they have that. And it's like the numbers even it, it creates that transaction as well. So that when we finally get to meeting JT at the bar, you know, three quarters of the way through the script, we don't even need to have any sort of you know preamble about who the hell he is, because we know that. We know who he is because he's number 88. He's already, you know, we already know his backstory. So we didn't have to hear anything about that uh, because it, it gets preloaded. Yeah. Um, so but when you talk to somebody that uh, is an adversary or somebody who you you know hold in a higher regard, you're going to speak more formally. And so th- it was a study in how we communicate with with each other and with people we hold it, it in different values so, and, and i would so say also by a conscious i would say also by extension then how you use that form of communication to communicate with your audience that's reading your script to, to give them a, a window into what this relationship is without having to do a bunch of like expository dialogue exactly yeah no and see that that's the i mean that's what I marvel at when I read it. It's like, damn, I did that. No, I mean, it really, it, it, it does, it does become a shorthand and it says so much more by saying so much less. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I want to talk about the idea of this fate versus destiny. So oh, God, yeah. <laughs> these of course are so closely related and the characters talk about them constantly. Fate and destiny, fate and destiny, and what is it at this moment, and what is it at this moment, and how that changes from the beginning of the script to the end. Mm-hmm. So what is your thesis behind fate and destiny in this script? Yeah, it's a huge theme. It is. Well, I had to come up with a theme. I'd rather not come up with a theme. I'd rather just had to just, you know, have her going out and kicking ass and taking names. Uh, but, you know, everybody expects in the development world, they expect you to have a theme of some sort. So, uh, I, you know, fate and destiny was the thing. And uh, and it is I mean, it is a big deal because, you know, it's it 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 is the you know, um, is it manifest destiny or predestiny? And that's basically what 
uh, um, what fate and destiny is. Uh, is your life uh, uh, laid out for you ahead of time, or do you have, uh, you know, freedom of choice to 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 make decisions to to choose a path for your life? And I think that's what what fate and destiny really are. Fate is your life has been you know preordained, and you know you're you're fated to to live this life. Destiny is like okay. You've been given a set of facts or, a, you know, a hand of cards, but it depends on you how you're going to play them. Um, so, you know, and destiny is how you play the cards that you're dealt. Um, I like yeah, that metaphor of it, the idea that fate is out of your control, but then you can, you know, you, if you can have a winning hand in poker or euchre or any number of card games, and if you don't play those cards right, you could have the best hand out of anybody at the table, but you can still blow it. Exactly. Exactly. Do you think that so, there yeah. are some characters in the script that are fated and some that have like like it would be your outlook, you know, that there mm -hmm. are some that have their destiny. I, I you know, I, I hesitate to say, no, well, in their I, hands. you know, I, I would say that uh, that the bad guy is probably more fated than than, you know, he talks about you yeah. know, having a destiny, you know, destiny. uh changing the destiny of the world but i think he's more fated to to his his outcome than uh than he he would he would like to uh admit to yeah. um i think blaze uh you know uh blaze is an interesting character um i i, th I think he would he i think he would like to think he is in charge of his destiny and he knows how to play it but i think he's fated too because you know he's got this this uh this heavy burden of still being in love with Rhodes yeah. and, you know, um, and that is really coloring everything he does. Well, and he spends the whole movie also being played at least the, right. the two thirds of the movie. He thinks he's this guy that's in charge. He's this big, rich, I can do whatever I want because I got all this money kind of guy. And not that he's a bad guy, but he's being played by the bad guys for like three quarters of the story. So the idea of like the hubris of thinking that you're in charge when really right. you, maybe the only way to be in charge is to acknowledge that you're not, which is kind of the lesson that Rhodes has to learn about letting go and not about harnessing the power, but letting the power, the power harness you. Yeah, I, I think right. those those are all uh, themes that keep flowing through everybody in the script. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> There's your theme. Yeah, You're welcome. Let me, write that, let me write that down. Yeah, you, <laughs> but you did. <laughs> yeah, the one, one of the things I like, though, is, uh, and, and, and people have mentioned this to me, too, that they, they were really impressed that when she does, uh, when she you know, takes out the whole entire war there at the end, with the, with the plane, they were really impressed that uh, that I did the whole earth, wind, fire, and water, but did it in a realistic sense, in a mechanical sense, yeah. as opposed to doing some you know spiritual mumbo jumbo kind of thing. Right, and and they they really appreciated that. Was and, that and, was what, that I'm imagining intentional? You didn't like accidentally write that down and then say, oh, that's. <laughs> No, 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 no. It was intentional, uh, and it was, and it was, it's, it's. But it goes to that whole thing of a uh, 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 tab A and slot B uh, thing that she talks about, right? With 
with Master Wu, and then she does after that too. It's it's like, hey, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a mechanical person, you know, and it's like I, I'm not this, you know, what I went to the spiritual classes, but I'm still, I'd rather do kung fu. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and again, getting back to her, this idea of seizing her destiny, playing the hand the way she knows how to do it, and not about worrying about figuring out you know, any sort of outside forces. It's it's a it's a big message of do your thing and do it the way you know is right and in theory things should work out okay for you yes exactly yes go 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 with the hands you're dealt you know go with what what your strong suit is um yeah so i mean i hate to say it but that's a lesson i've had to learn myself all of us you know we all do that's, take the cards you got I'm and still play trying them. to learn it i yeah. wrote yeah. about it i haven't learned it yet it's so. a constant that it's it, that's a constant part of life is figuring yourself out and trying to figure out the world around you and it, it, it's it's an it's an endless uh primal thing that we're going through all the time yeah 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 you, you know stevie this script has so much in it there's so 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 much to talk about but we only have such a small window of time on the show. So if somebody wanted to get in touch with you to talk to you more about the themes here and more about your plans and your characters yeah. and kind of how they're living through you and talking to you and all that jazz, what's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you? Well, you know, uh, astral projection is a good way. Um, oh, good. Yeah. Um well, I do. I, I have a website, or actually, I got like twelve websites. Um, yeah, uh, do you I know, if you don't want anybody to contact you, it's totally fine. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like no. I have. A, I have a. No, they're all masked, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I have a portfolio website. I'm sure you'd be interested to know about. Um, it's portfolio17.com, and you can uh, email me there on the email page. Perfect. Okay. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Well, hey, thanks, man, for sending us in your work. We really enjoyed reading it and uh, talking to you about it and figuring out what our fate is to talk about the destiny of this script. It was it was a lot of fun. Thanks a lot for taking the time to speak with us tonight. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Have a great night. All right. Well, there we go. Yeah, that is a that it really like we. I feel like the word busy has a negative connotation to it. It bleeds from the beginning to the end. One thing goes to the next, goes to the next, goes to the next. Yeah, and there's a ton, and it's just it's just this adventure that just gets going. Yeah. right from the start, and you got to, you're you're hopping onto a rocket that's blasting across the ocean like one of the characters does in yeah. this movie. You know, he made two references during the show that I think would be a perfect description: Amelia Earhart meets yeah. Indiana Jones. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's it. Anywho, uh, if you've uh, written a script that has texture or something that means something to you that incorporates some history or some future or, or some, some ninjas or some ni- or some flying ninjas ninjagos copyright yeah you can say the word ninja- <laughs> uh, sue me for saying ninjago <laughs> if, yeah that's not verboten it's not like voldemort you could say the word uh if you've written anything along those lines you should send it to us if it's in script form and we would love to read it and we would love to potentially have you on the show to talk about it like we just had stevie t on uh right. you, you can do that by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit that's right so listeners thank you so much for listening we're super excited about all the work that is to come. We appreciate it. Make sure to find us online if you want to chit-chat. I'm on Twitter as at your bestie Westie. And I'm Script Shop Jack. You can find us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, like mm-hmm. we just said. Script Shop Show on all of those. And uh, until next week, friends, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West. Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by Bensound.com. Outro music by Purple-Planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Let's go.